chapter 2, verse 1 to 41. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were saying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them clearly, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have been, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken." Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, 
both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I became a Christian in November 1996. Uh, Spice Girls were top of the charts then, just as a point of reference. Uh, So it was late high school, and I was facing a choice. At the time, I thought it was the most momentous choice that anyone had ever faced in the history of mankind. It turns out it was probably the same question that uh, every teenager has has to ask at some point. That is, who am I going to be? Who am I going to be? I'd grown up in a Christian family uh, and I had always thought of myself as the good kid. You know, we went to church. um, I thought I kind of did the right thing. I probably didn't, but at least that was my conception of myself. Uh, So was I going to be that? Or uh, was I going to kind of jump into the world of of parties, of of drinking, of uh, kind of teenage rebellion that, all my mates were diving into. Uh, Was I going to live to please my parents or was I going to try and fit in with my friends Uh, or something else? What was I going to be? So I did what any self-respecting 16-year-old does and I just tried to do both, right? Uh, I I still kind of going to church, um, school counsellor type guy, but also uh, taking risks, drinking, that kind of stuff. And obviously, that, that's ridiculous, right? That can't last. Um, and it didn't. It only took a few months before it fell apart. You can't fake it, right? Uh, and I was stuck here, uh, kind of living two lives. Um, you know, lying to people, uh, telling one story here and another story here. And it was awful. Uh, but I had some Christian mates, uh, kind of genuinely follow Jesus, and they invited me to their youth group. Now, if you've ever been to St. Matt's Youth, to Common Ground, uh, it was just like that, except the exact opposite, okay? Uh, so just imagine the most, you know, like rock band, uh, smoke machine, uh, mosh pit going on. This is like the era of Nirvana. This is my time, right? Uh, all that is going on at this youth group. But God did something that night. Uh, no one... Knew my friends didn't really know, uh, but I was full of guilt over this double life that I was leading. I'd been lying to my parents, uh, telling them things that they hadn't found out about, but the guilt was with me, right? I knew it. And so I'd been uh, so used to thinking of myself as good, right? But all of a sudden I was confronted by the fact that I wasn't. Uh, God had been at work, convicting me, and my conscience was really on fire. And uh, through the, all the, the razzle-dazzle of this night and the smoke machine and the flashing lights and everything, there was a guy there who was talking about Jesus. And he said that Jesus died instead of me, and that meant I could be forgiven. And that message, that fresh start that 
I could put an end to my double life and, and not just go back to trying to be good again, uh, but to realise that I'd been bad but been forgiven, to go a new way entirely, to live for Jesus. And it was everything to me. It was everything. Man, I was so happy that night and I'm still so thankful for that. Now, I wanted to share my story tonight because I really hope that tonight you'll have a chance to reflect on your story, Uh, whether you're someone who's become a Christian or whether you're investigating Jesus. uh, I want us to have a chance tonight to think about that decision. Uh, Tonight's passage is uh, really about uh, what Jesus has done to make my story possible and really every story like it. Uh, It's an account of the day of Pentecost and uh, what happens there. And so we're going to break it down into three parts tonight. We're going to see how it's a day of inclusion, a day of transition, and a day of decision. A day of inclusion, transition, and decision. So let's have a look. Firstly, it's a day of inclusion. Uh, This chapter raises really interesting questions for us. You know, we live in a world of Pentecostal churches, and uh, so we have... Uh, lots of questions like, what's this gift of tongues? You know, what, what does it mean when the Spirit comes? That kind of thing. Um, but the people who were there on this day in Acts 2, uh, they didn't have any of those kind of questions, right? They were Jews. All they had was Jewish history. And so uh, we want to think about it from their perspective. Uh, how did they think about all this? And so for them, the day of Pentecost uh, wasn't about the Spirit. The day of Pentecost was about the law, right? Uh, so travel all the way back, uh, back to the book of Exodus, and uh, God saves Israel uh, out of Egypt uh, through the Passover, and then 50 days later, that's where Pentecost comes from, 50 days later, uh, they reach Mount Sinai, and uh, there at the mountain, there's thunder and lightning and fire comes down, and God comes down onto the mountain in that fire. And that's what the Jews were celebrating, uh, the start of their special relationship with God, where God came to be with them and gives them the law. And so our Jewish people gather from all over the Mediterranean, from different places, different languages, to celebrate Pentecost. And they hear this noise, this violent wind, and they come running in. What's going on? What's going on? And everyone hears these Galileans declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Now, Peter's going to explain uh, what all this means uh, coming up, but right at the start, uh, we can see that it's a day of inclusion. People come from everywhere, are gathering in to hear about God in their own languages. It's the opposite of Babel. Again, travel back, think about the the Old Testament, uh, the Tower of Babel uh, in Genesis 11, where People try and make a name for themselves. They they build this huge tower, try to reach the heavens on their own apart from God. Uh, And God, in his judgment against humanity's rebellion against him, uh, he judges them by confusing their languages and scattering them across the face of the earth. And here, it's the opposite. Uh, People are gathered in. Instead of scattering, we have gathering. Uh, All these people converging on Jerusalem from all over. And instead of confusion, we have comprehension. Uh, Suddenly, these country bumpkins, you know, these uh, northern Galilean dudes, they're given the gift of language so that everyone hears it in their own language. Uh, It's just like 
uh, the Wembley International Food Court, uh, just like that that place. Pour one out for that magnificent establishment. Um, all the nations, all in the one place. It is no more, sadly. Um, but it's like that. All the nations in one place. Uh, at this stage, all Jews, all Jewish people, but still a, a day of inclusion. So uh, what's the application here? Well, it's not that we should all pray uh, for tongues. Uh, that was a, a unique moment, uh, what's going on here in Acts 2. Uh, but what we want to see is God's heart, right? We see his heart for inclusion, for people from all over to hear the word of God in their own language, to include people who are far off, that all might hear about the wonders of God. And so uh, my little uh, suggestion for tonight is that you learn a language. Actually, I think that's a great uh, thing to do, uh, to learn a language uh, with the idea of getting to know people who aren't like us. Um, The people I know who've gone overseas to serve Jesus, uh, they've all started by loving Jesus, but also by loving uh, another culture, uh, by learning a language, caring for people who aren't like them. So why not learn a language? Just make it one of your broadening units, uh, just slide it into your uni time, uh, learn a language. One of our past uni churches, uh, she was really into K-pop, and so she learnt Korean, uh, went to Korea, uh, travelled there, and is now uh, back in church, uh, trying to share the gospel with Korean students here on campus um, in the course of her everyday life. The day of Pentecost is a day of inclusion. But it's also a day of transition. Uh, this is uh, there in verses 14 to 26, where Peter explains all this using the Old Testament. Okay, so let's dig into this. Uh, this event, this God coming down uh, in, in this fire, in the spirit and the tongues, it's a sign of the new era. Uh, Joel calls it the last days. Have a look at there in verse 15. Uh, Peter stands up and says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. You know, something's going on, but it's not that they're drunk. Uh, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Again, you hear that uh, note of inclusion here. Uh, old and young, men and women, everyone are drawn in. God's spirit has come. And so it's a new era. Joel calls it the great and glorious day of the Lord. When God will come and bring his, his presence, his salvation into the world. And so the Spirit coming is a sign that that age is here. Uh, the first telegram message was sent by uh, Samuel Morse in 1844. And the message that he sent out was, uh, was to say, what God hath wrought. I think he meant it positively. You know, that this is, look what God has done. He's done this incredible thing that I'm sending you a message from like 40 miles away or whatever it was. And really that is the start of a new era. The internet springs from that day in 1844, uh, just with the idea that you can send information through a cable over a long distance. But the day of Pentecost is a day of transition for the whole world. A whole uh, new era, a day when human history shifts from one stage to another, uh, out of the age of the temple and into the age of the spirit, out of the age of Israel and into the age of salvation for the world. 
Uh, it's a day of transition into a new era. And that transition's happened because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. That's what Paul goes on to say. Oh, sorry, Peter goes on to say. Uh, he gives this uh, recap of Jesus' life and death uh, there in verses 22 and 23. Uh, but then he kind of focuses in on uh, the resurrection and ascension. Uh, those two things, the resurrection and ascension. So have a look at how he goes on, verse 24. He says, But God uh, raised him, Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter's argument simple, right? Uh, King David, again, the, the Jewish people, they're thinking in, in uh, Old Testament terms, King David spoke about God not abandoning him to the grave. Uh, but he's dead, right? Like, we're, we're all... Jewish and his, his grave's over there. We know, we know it's there. He's definitely died. And Psalm 110 talks about God appointing his king to, to rule at his got right hand. But again, that can't be King David. He's, he's there. He's talking about Jesus. You guys killed him, but we've seen him alive. God has raised him from the dead. And so this new era is the era of King Jesus, the risen King. Verse 32, uh, Peter wraps it up and he says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. This actually happened. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Here's the evidence that this new era has arrived, the era of Jesus as both Lord and Messiah. That Jesus rules and he saves. He claims authority over every person, even over you. Exalted to God's right hand, seated there and ruling. He rules and he saves. His rule now involves uh, offering forgiveness to people who trust in him. Offering forgiveness to guilty people like me. And the mark of this new era is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming down. Jesus sends his spirit uh, into the world to convict people and to empower the disciples to take the gospel uh, out into the world. And that's what's happening. And that's our era as well. This uh, tells us so much about our time that we live in the era of King Jesus. So how do we apply this? Uh, well, this is the theological reason for the fact that we're running Christianity Explored, right? Uh, that's what's behind this. Uh, that's one obvious application because we live in the window, the window where it's possible to, to come to Jesus and to receive forgiveness. And so we want to extend that offer to as many people as possible. So will you do that? If you know that Jesus is Lord and that he rules and he saves, please uh, pray, invite someone along, help them consider uh, what life's about and how they might find forgiveness in Jesus. The day of Pentecost is a day of transition. Uh, and that's why the day of Pentecost is also a day of decision, a day of decision. Let's read from verse 37 there. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, they've got a decision to make. Given that Jesus is, is Lord and Messiah, that this now becomes for them a day of decision. Who are they going to be? How will they respond? 
Now, even this idea that, you know, the idea of, of conversion, that's pretty on the nose to us, right, in our culture. Uh, people say things like, what, are you trying to convert me or something? You know, that, that's how we think about it. Uh, because it goes against something that runs really deep in our, in our society, this idea of expressive individualism. It's the concept that we must be free to express uh, who we are. You know, you do you. And, uh, you know, it's immoral to, to stop me uh, living out that identity that I've got. And so uh, that plays out in a heap of ways in the world around us. But expressive individualism says, I'm right the way that I am, and I don't need to change. Uh, but that, the very idea here is that they do. They do need to change. The age of the risen Jesus calls for repentance, for turning around, turning to God, living under the rule of King Jesus. It calls for baptism. He says, repent and be baptised. Commit yourself to following Jesus. Receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that he offers. That's what baptism is. It's kind of a picture of that cleansing and starting out living a new life with Jesus as Lord. So they've got a decision to make. The passage says that about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Uh, 3,000 who make that decision, opt in to become part of this new community of people who belong to Jesus, forgiven by God. The day of Pentecost was a day of decision. And have a look at the results. Uh, the offer is for forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's what comes to people as they put their trust in Jesus. In 1959, um, Billy Graham came to Australia and uh, ran these huge evangelistic uh, rallies sharing the gospel, and thousands of people became Christians. And uh, all these stories started coming out afterwards about people who'd, uh, who'd come along and, and trusted in Jesus. Uh, and one time, uh, Billy Graham was was giving the invitation to, to come and receive Jesus as Saviour. And a man was there and he turned to one of the ushers and he said to him, will Christ really forgive any sin? And the usher said, yeah. Like he assured him of, of God's forgiveness. And so the man shoves a package into his hand and, and walks forward, goes, goes forward to, uh, to the front. And inside the package was a loaded revolver and explosives and detonators. And it turns out he'd been a criminal, obviously, um, and moved by the Holy Spirit to turn his life around to follow Christ. Uh, to put away the old and to turn and trust in Jesus. To receive that forgiveness that was being offered. And within the week, uh, he'd brought nine other men uh, to hear Billy Graham, uh, to do the same thing, to receive the, the gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost is a day of inclusion, people gathered in, a day of transition, marking uh, the start of a new age and a day of decision for people to decide whether they will uh, trust in Jesus as Lord. That's our passage for tonight. And to finish off, I'd really like to encourage you to reflect on your story. You might not have a dramatic kind of conversion story where you can point to a moment or, or some event. And that's fine. You don't need to have a kind of Billy Graham experience uh, to be a Christian. Um, but in this next song, I want 
uh, us to take a moment uh, to, to think about how God brought you to repentance and faith. Uh, consider how you grasped forgiveness for the first time, how that felt. And uh, to think about the difference that knowing uh, Jesus, that having the Spirit has made to your life, knowing uh, God as your Father uh, and bringing you into Christian fellowship. And thank God for that. Reflect on your story. Uh, But for some people here, I suspect that this passage has raised a new idea for you. Uh, The idea that Jesus' resurrection and ascension means that we need to make a decision about Christ, that if the resurrection's true uh, and he really is the risen king, then you have to do something with that. It means that there needs to be a change, a decisive change to trust him, you know, to join the number, to become a Christian, not to run our own lives on expressive individualism to do whatever it is that we think we want to do but to repent and to receive the forgiveness that he offers not just to roll on with the habits of our family uh, but to repent and decide for ourselves whether we will live for Jesus and I want to give you a chance to make that decision tonight if that's you I turned to follow Jesus on a night completely different to tonight (laughs) Uh, but in some ways, exactly the same, right? Exactly the same. I just sat in a chair and I realised I needed forgiveness. And I heard that Jesus was offering that. And I asked God to save me because of what Jesus had done. And he did. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight. If you're someone who knows that you need the forgiveness that Jesus offers, I want to give you the chance to trust Jesus to forgive you. And if that's you, then I'll say a prayer in a moment and you can pray along silently with me. Uh, you might uh, think this is important, but actually you've got more questions than, than just this. Uh, and if that's you, then great. Uh, come talk to me. We'd love for you to do Christianity Explored. Uh, that would be the perfect way uh, to really dig in and find answers to those questions. But you might already know enough. Uh, and actually, the thing you need to do is decide. And if that's true then will you make that decision tonight and pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, we know we are broken, imperfect, and ultimately guilty before you. Please forgive us through Christ. Please give us your Holy Spirit to start fresh and live with you as our Father and Jesus as Lord. Loving Father, you've said that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Please give us the assurance of our eternal security with you because of Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.